Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucked Up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Let's just get started with the episode. Personal updates. Uh, just from the top, I fucking love, love, and I don't use the L word uh, often, but I fucking love three-day weekends, man. Three-day weekends, it should be the norm. We should only have a four-day uh, work week and three-day weekend. Like, USA, implement this shit already. Your people would be happier, um, we would have more energy during the week because we're well rested. Uh, you know, maybe uh, the U.S. will go up on the happy scale, of, like the country, like the happiest countries to live at, because we're not in the happiest countries to live at. We're not even in the list. We're not even in the spectrum of being one of the happiest countries to live at. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, uh, U.S. government, uh, President Biden, if you're listening to that show, Fuck Me Up, I think you should push. This should be one of the policies that you should be pushing for because this is it. I mean, if we have to work, we live in a capitalist society, right? We have to work to survive. But if we have to work to survive, I think uh, y'all should just make it more enjoyable. Make living to survive Make working to survive more enjoyable. And the way you could do that is by giving us three-day weekends all the time. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And thank you for listening, uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, what, what is it? It's Veterans Day weekend. Have I thanked the vi- a veteran yet? I've thanked many in my life. Ask <laughs> I think them enough. <laughs> if you catch my trip. Ah, uh, why why am I so comfortable with just speaking out of my ass? Uh, you know, I'm going to add that to my resume. What is one of your skills? I'm very skillful in just talking out of my ass for over an hour. No breaks, just vibes. Um yeah. I don't know where to transition from here, but yeah, it's Veterans Day weekend. Uh, What did I do Friday? Friday, I didn't do shit. I stayed home. It was amazing. I okay, I'm getting ahead of my recommendations corner, but I binge. I finished binge uh, watching the Midnight Club, so I just binged the rest of it that I had left. I ate. I watched TV. I didn't clean. I didn't open my computer. For work, I didn't open my computer for the podcast. It was great. You see, that's the thing. I work full time. And I also have side hustles like the podcast, like my writing, poetry. I'm a busy, busy gal. And if I had a three-day weekend, I would actually have one day that is the sole focus for that day would be to rest. Just R-E-S-T. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Just kidding. Wrong word. Uh, look at how beautifully, look at how fucking beautifully I tied in needing a three-day weekend with my personal life. Wow, my brain, my power, my charisma, 
<laughs> everything about me is amazing. But yeah, and then Saturday, Friday didn't do shit. Saturday, I I mean, I worked. I took my notes for the podcast. Uh, and then at night, I went out. And it was fun. It was fun. I went out with Joe. Shout out to Joe. We were um, celebrating her birthday and with her friends. And I went out to a bar here around the area that I live at. And I had never gone out around this area. Now it's going to be my go-to. Like, I'm sorry. The, the bartenders there are going to be sick and fucking tired of me. They're going to hate me. Every time I walk in, they're going to be like, not this bitch again. Yes, it's me. Sweetie, it's me. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to be like, you miss me, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, What else? What else? Yeah. And then today, I oh, yesterday I got home from the bar and I door dashed some carne asada fries, but I like forgot about it. And then I woke up and they left the nuts like I it was still like really late. Like I just took a quick little a quick little beer nap and then I was like, fuck, I'm not hungry anymore. So I just I put them in the fridge and I ate them this morning and ugh, they hit the spot. They hit the motherfucking spot. Uh, but yeah, I love three day weekends and something that I don't love. <laughs> you know how last episode I told y'all that I was going to put myself out there and and try dating and blah 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 fun find the love of my life i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> just kidding i th- i thought it well i mean i don't know uh i went on one day and it was it was fine it was fine whatever but then later i found out this dude unmatched me and i was like Bro, how are you going to unmatch me? Like, I literally have your phone number. Did you block me there, too? (laughs) Like, is that how the dating world works? I have no clue. And I'm not even, like, I'm not even bummed about the unmatching because I was, like, when when we met up for the date, it was more, like, kind of, like, friend vibe, and we didn't have similar likes. Like, he was so confused about how I'm a California girl, and I hate doing, like, California girl activities, like, I hate hiking. I hate going to the beach. I hate like I'm like I'm an indoor gal. Like hit me up. Let's do stuff indoors. If we want to be outdoors, I'm all up for it. Let's go to a bar that's outside. Like that's just my personality. Like I don't I don't want to go on a fucking hiking date. I don't want to do all that shit. It's it's me. It's the raw. It's uh you know, the raw, honest truth about myself. And I'm not gonna create this like persona and like mold it to whoever I match with. Like, I'm gonna be honest because I wanna find someone that I genuinely fucking like and that genuinely fucking likes me for who I am. So I think it should, we just didn't, we just didn't like, there was no spark, right? And honestly, I think I matched with him. No, I did match with him while I was drunk. So I probably wouldn't have matched with him if I was sober. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. Uh, I'm picky. It's fine. I'll go on a date with him. First things first. There was like red flags already. But I was like, okay, I'll go. I, I'm putting myself out there. So fucked up them. If you're listening to this, I need you to DM me right now. And encourage me to continue to put myself out there because this <sighs> dating 
in your late 20s. It's so crazy. I ha I don't think I've ever said that out loud, like late 20s. Dating in your late 20s? Well, dating, period. Dating, I don't even know why I'm putting a fucking age to it. Dating? <laughs> Sucks. I hate it here. Also, if you have any, like, <laughs> cute friends that you want to introduce to me, like, what's up? <laughs> Here are uh, what it, what they need to have. They need to have a job. First of all, I'm sorry. I have a job. You need to have a job. That's it. Like you need you need to have a job. You need to have like a, a tiny bit of ambition. Because I have ambition. You know, I just need someone that I'm gonna like merge with. And you need to make me laugh. And yes, you need to be handsome. I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm superficial. Yes, I. It's just what I'm attracted to. And like my definition of handsome might be different from yours. Like y'all know the type of man that I'm attracted to. Like y'all know. <laughs> so I'm not asking for fucking shaming, sh shaming, 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 <laughs> what the fuck is his name? I'm not asking for a pretty boy. I don't, I don't like pretty boys, first of all, but he needs to be handsome. Does that make sense? I don't even know why I'm sharing this information. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I really turned this mic into my therapist. And it's fine. It's fine. Look, some things just need to be said out loud. And it's fine that no one's listening to me. Oh, wait, you are. That was so rude of me how I just, like, completely erased you. But y'all are listening. Thank you so much for listening to me, <laughs> about my personal life yes you guys are not here for my personal life i'm so sorry uh let's move on but yeah that's that was my summary on life yeah let's move on to recommendations corner yesterday i i watched look both ways with really lily reinhardt um it was cute like i i need to be in a certain mood to watch like a comedy or like a yeah like it was a i guess it's a feel good movie um i liked it i really liked it i don't know i think i'm like right in the middle of my period where and and uh people that have periods get this but the hormones start hormoning hormone <laughs> that does not make sense so like you had your period two weeks in the hormones hit you like a fucking brick wall my dude like super sentimental well this is me personally right i'm speaking from like personal um experience me personally i become a fucking mess i was a wreck i was like nobody loves me and I, I, i'm gonna end up like her in this one of these scenarios blah 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 and then i was like i snapped out of it like a like three seconds later and i'm like oh i know why i'm feeling like this it's it's being a it's being a woman and having a period and it's not great. It's not fucking great. Uh what else? Yeah, so I liked it. It it was a good watch. I mean, it, it's like kind of like the theme of the story is like regardless of what happens, I'm going to be okay. And I and I like that. I I really really like that. Today in the morning I watched Scooby Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. 
<laughs> I fucking love Scooby-Doo, bro. Like, I love it so good. Like, it was just like, it's what I needed after I chugged my fucking suero, my fucking Pedialyte, because I woke up dehydrated from all the beer I drank last night. It was good. It was good. I liked it. I, I, I had already watched it, but I just, I felt like watching something that was like, I didn't have to pay attention. I know it was going to be good and it was going to make me laugh. And that's what I watch. Podcast. Right now I'm listening to the latest, I think the last two episodes of Emergency Intercom. Uh, I fucking love Enya uh, and Drew. They're so funny. They're funny in a way where if people didn't know their humor, they would be concerned. Like, they would call the police. <laughs> and I fucking love that type of humor. TV shows. Like I mentioned, I finished watching The Midnight Club. I really liked how there was stories, you know, that the characters told stories and that it kind of had to do with their own life. But, you know, they made them creepy and scary. Um, and, I, and I fucked with that. I fucked with that. I think that they left a lot of questions unanswered, though. Is there going to be a season two? I, by the ending, like, the ending was kind of like a cliffhanger. So I think there will be a season two. Uh, Mike Flanagan, can you just give me a quick call and, like, let me know if there's going to be a season two? Because I'm, like, dying to know, sir. Mr. Flanagan. Mr. Flanagan, it's that crazy, crazy girl from that one little podcast that she's calling again. I don't know why I'm doing a fucking accent. I'm so sorry. Still watching Beep. Holy shit, bruh. Veep is so good. And I'm going to talk about this here, but I tweeted how I'm attracted to Jonah from Veep. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's how I know my taste in man is in the gutter. Like, why am I attracted to, to Jonah? Why? So when I talk about wanting a handsome man, it could be Jonah or it could be Nick Kroll or it could be... <laughs> I like this. Eh, it's fine. It's fine. I fucking love Veep. So, so good. So good. Uh, oh, uh, one of the things, when I was on the date with the guy, um, I mentioned that I had just started watching Veep. And he's like, oh, I really like Veep. And, like, I feel like only, uh, like, really smart people get the jokes. And I'm like, thank you? Question mark? <laughs> Was I too smart for you, sweetie? Was it that? Let's unpack that. Uh, Big Mouth, I really, I fucking loved, loved the last season of Big Mouth. Nick Crow put his whole Bedusi in it, his whole penis into uh, the last season of Big Mouth. Um, Nick Crow, thank you. Thank you so much for your service. Um, <laughs> All right, but that's enough fucking banter. Let's get started with today's episode. Episode 8 of American Horror Story Murder House is called Rubber Man. So we see the rubber man or, you know, the man with the latex suit, as I've been calling him for his seven fucking episodes, <laughs> walking down the hallway of Murder House. And then we get a screen that says six months ago. And then we it's like back to the the first um, episode when the Harmons moved into Murder House. So the movers bringing into the uh, stuff into the house and Mar Marcy standing outside the for sale sign by the for sale sign. Uh, we 
Then it cuts to Nora walking uh, the rooms of murder house and she's going on about how it is all wrong and that everything looks wrong. And then she runs into someone and asks who they are and what they have done to her house and that the new things in her home are cheap and that they're not hers. We hear the boys ask her how he can comfort her and then Nora remembers her baby and she asks where her baby is. The man put his, puts his hand in her shoulder so he can't see his face and asks if, if that is what she wants, a baby. And Nora responds with yes. We see um, a man, again, we can't see who he is, go outside and grab the latex suit that Ben had thrown away in the first episode. And then he opens the door to the main room and Vivian is in there applying lotion. And it's the scene that we had previously watched where she tells him how she told him to throw away the suit. And then uh, he doesn't respond. So she's like, oh, you're not talking. Like, you want to get freaky-eeky again. So they get freaky. They do the deed. And then it cuts to Ben walking up the stairs like in, like, a trance-like state. And we see the man with the latex suit walking down at the same time. But, like, Ben is in such a trance that he doesn't even realize the man walking down the stairs. And then it cuts to the man with the latex suit staring at himself in front of the mirror, and he takes off the mask, and it, it and it is Tate Langdon. Then the credits roll in. Back in present day, Vivian is telling Marcy and Mora how Nora was in her house, and that she came to see the house, and that she was going on about details about the house as if she had built it herself. So this is after, you know, uh, Violet shows her the pictures of the first owners. Marcy says that she must have had a granddaughter and that is who came to see the house. But Vivian stands by, stands by her words and she's like, she reminds Marcy that Nora died and that she only had one child, which was dismembered. So she doesn't think it's possible for her to have a granddaughter. And Moira brings up that, you know, everyone in the world has a doppelganger or, or so they say. Vivian says that she feels like someone is trying to make her feel like she's crazy. And Marcy asks Mora to make Vivian a tea, but Vivian tells her not to patronize her because she does know that someone wants her in her wants her life and her husband and that wants to drive her insane, aka Hayden. Marcy just tells her that the pregnancy hormones are making her all paranoid, and she tells her that she had a cousin that had a similar experience. Mora says that there are things in this world that can't that can't be explained with a rational mind, and Marcy tells her that she would love to stay in chat, but that she needs to pop by um, the potential buyer's uh, house since he has not been returning her calls, and she leaves. Obviously, Marcy, he's not going to return your calls. He's motherfucking dead. Um, Mora tells Vivian that she does believe in the supernatural and how at the end of the day, they are all lost souls, and Vivian just reiterates that she thinks that she's going crazy. Cut to a flashback of Chad saying to a friend that he that he thinks he is going crazy, so perfect transition, and how he thinks he's going to break into a million million pieces and how Patrick is cheating and that he can tell. That he knows this because Patrick has gotten weird, weird about the home renovations, weird about finances, weird about having a baby, and how he isn't even sure he wants one anymore. Chad brings up that every time he brings up the color scheme for the nursery, Patrick changes the subject and that he has e even been sleepwalking. Uh-oh, sleepwalking is not a good sign. <laughs> Chad, uh, Chad's friends tell, uh, like, Chad's friend, sorry, tells him that none of this is exactly evidence of infidelity, but Chad, uh, Chad agrees that it isn't, but what he found in Patrick's computer does show signs of it. That, and then we find out that Patrick had left his computer unlocked and that he had been carrying a sexual slash virtual relationship with a S&M dom. And he explains that he can't believe 
uh, Patrick would even say the words that he found in the chat between Patrick and uh, Jungle Jim. <laughs> that's that's like his um, like name in the chat. His friend, uh, like Chad's friend, is playing devil's advocate and says that Pat doesn't feel comfortable telling Chad. Maybe he doesn't feel comfortable telling Chad about what he's into and like new things that he wants to explore with sexually, but how that gives him the perfect opportunity to make a preemptive strike. His friend tells him that he has to fight for Chad since he's a great guy that is worth fighting for. Uh, I mean, if, if your husband is cheating on you, maybe he's not a great guy. Maybe your friend is lying to you. <laughs> Cut to Chad in a sex toy, uh, like a sex shop. And the salesman or like the shop owner is explaining to him some products, a spike ball chains and an inano expander. And Chad is like, oh, I'm not really into pain. And the shop owner tells him that he want, might want to start with something simple like handcuffs. Chad overshares and tells the shop owner that his boyfriend has been in these um, like S&M chat rooms. And he responds that that is like the shop owner responds that that is usually how it starts. And he wants to know if Patrick is dominant or submissive. Chad says that he does not know and that he is the one that usually calls the shots in the bedroom. And the shop owner suggests that maybe he wants, like Patrick wants to be the dom for a change. And Chad says that he has never thought of that. And the shop owner tells him that every relationship is a power play with or without the props. Ooh, I like that. Chad asks about the muscle and how he that can be good since Patrick is always telling him that he talks too much. And the shop owner says that it is a good idea, but if he's feeling brave, he has the perfect thing for him, a.k.a. an S&M uh, full latex suit. Chad is like, she, he takes him over to look at it and Chad is obviously intimidated by the suit and he explains how he doesn't let, he doesn't get the appeal for the S&M scene. And he says that the point, uh, the shop owner explains that the point of the suit is to dehumanize the submissive and he encouraged him to get the suit and if it doesn't work out he can just wear it for halloween and chad ex and chad is like oh yeah i love halloween and it's just around the corner uh so then we see chad in the latex suit standing by the front door of the room as patrick cut his nails so this scene is very very uh, similar to the scene where Vivian is putting on lotion and then, you know, the man with the latex suit uh, is standing by the door. Patrick looks up and he chuckles and he asks if he decided to go for a as a sausage for Halloween this year. That is the fucking rudest thing. If someone told me that, like if my partner told me that, asked me if I decided to go as a sausage after I put on this fucking latex suit, I would kill him. I would not kill myself. I would kill him. <laughs> Chad rubs his hand on Pat's, Pat's hair and Pat tells him that he's in the middle of something, aka cutting his toenails. Not the most sexiest time, Chad. And that he, he's he's like, oh, and I hate how that thing feels against my skin. And he tells, he's like, oh, take it off so that they can just watch Rachel so without um, him worrying that he will pass out. Chad takes off the mask and asks why he's being such an asshole and how he knows that that, that type of thing turns him on. And Patrick tells him, Depressing sex is even more depressing when you try so hard. Ouch! <laughs> Patrick begins walking away, and then Chad yells out, Who is Jungle Jim 4322 at yahoo.com? <laughs> Patrick lies and says that he doesn't know, and Chad tells him that if he brought, he's like, If you brought deceased into this house, that, and Patrick tells them that he has never brought him over and that they've never met and they just jerk off like online together. And the how and he's like, and that is not considered cheating. Boy, mm, 
<laughs> sure, 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 Patrick. Whatever like helps you sleep at night. Chad tells him to take uh, his things and leave and to go to a Motel 6 since that is the only thing that he can afford right now. And Patrick hits back and says that he should that he should leave the suit on since he's such a little bitch. And Chad yells out that he wanted to have a baby with him and asks why he is doing this to him. Patrick yells out how it's the house and the renovation and how it is no wonder he does not want to stick his dick in him anymore. Chad uh, tells him to go find Jungle Gym and see if he would he would be down to renovate all of his bathrooms in 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 the house to like Patrick's uh, specific um, like you know no what he 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 calls it the Novo Rich, which is like new rich specifications. Patrick asks what Chad is going to hold over his head when the bank comes and takes the house away from them, and and Chad is like stunned by this and he he's like oh do you think i don't read the bills you don't think i read our statements and he like gets his stuff and chad asks him where he's going and patrick just responds without and he's like and for the record i like leather not latex and then like uh chad begins to cry cut to nora crying in the master bedroom again perfect fucking transition and hayden walks in uh, so this is back in present day because Hayden is now dead in murder house and tells her that she needs to get her crying under control and how she is going nuts. Nora's confused and she asks Hayden what she's doing in her house and Hayden lets her know that they're all stuck there like the others, how they died there and for whatever the reason they're not able to leave. Nora asks um, if she's implying that she is dead and Hayden responds that yeah, she's as dead as disco. Nora is still super confused and Hayden sympathizes with her and she explains that she's not the only one that is trapped in the house and she mentions that there are pure souls like Bo and then we see like um, a scene of Hayden like playing with Bo as he rolls the ball towards her and and then there are bitches and it cuts to Nora telling Hayden that she does not like her or her type and how she is cheap and horrible and half the woman that Vivian is and that she should stop bothering her. Hayden tells Moira that she saw her feed Vivian raw brains and Moira defends her actions and tells her that it was for the health of the babies. Hayden, like, on purpose, drops the glass on the floor and she tells Moira that she has to clean it up. So back with Nora and Hayden and she explains that the place has to hold on them but that the house also has power and that they can use that and then they can make themselves unknown, like throwing a book from a shelf and, like, so it shows, like, um, ben Harmon in his office and then the book just falls down from the shelf or that they can make themselves know. And then we see that um, Hayden is standing there also, but Ben doesn't notice. So cut to Hayden making out with the late Mr. Langdon, so Tate's dad, who Constance killed. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh my God, my, my, my wife Constance might walk in on us. And then Hayden tells him that she never does and she takes a knife and begins to stab him. Obviously, he's a ghost in the house, too. So after a while, like, Mr. Langdon just gets up. And after a few seconds, he asks Hayden if she wants anything from the kitchen. Nora tells Hayden that what she's saying is madness and how she is not dead. And Hayden asks her that then to explain the wound in the back of her head. And she guides Nora's hand so she could touch the back of her head. And, she, and she's like, why would I do such a thing? And she takes a second and asks if it was because of her baby. And she begins to yell, where is my baby? Hayden asks if she lost her baby. And Nora says yes. And Hayden tells her that she lost hers too. 
and how it is buried in the backyard with the rest of her. Hayden tells her that it's not fair and that and that she gets to have two babies. And Nora asks who? And Hayden responds, the bitch that stole your house, Vivian. And she tells her that she already has a daughter and asks what, what they have. And Nora responds, heartache. Hayden tells Nora that Vivian is having twins and that they can take the babies, one for Nora and one for her. And Nora asks if they can do that. And Hayden says that they will have to because they have to have mothers and that you can't raise a baby in the loony bin. Cut to Vivian in the restroom and she's staring at herself and she says, you're just tired. And she hears something from the hallway and she walks over and calls Violet's name and the door creaks and she walks toward it and she sees a red ball rolling towards her. She yells out hello and she turns on the light, but no one is there. The lights start to flicker and we see Hayden appear from behind her and she's laughing, but Vivian can't see or hear her. And Hayden drops a lamp on the floor and Vivian is just screaming and asking who did that. The floorboard creaks from behind her and then another item falls on the floor and then the dresser starts lighting towards her. So she locks herself in the restroom and then when she looks up, she sees that the latex mask is hanging by the sink and she just gets down on the floor. Cut to Tate putting on the mask and he walks out of the restroom. So it's a flashback to when he killed uh, when he kills Chad by drowning him. And then Patrick gets there and he asks him what he did. And he and Patrick start fighting. Tate then gets a fireplace rod and he starts beating Patrick with it. And when he's un unconscious, he pulls his pants down to expose Patrick's butt. And well, you can imagine what he did next with the fireplace uh, rod. We see Patrick's body being thrown down to the basement stairs and Nora's down there and she says, he's dead. This is wrong. It's all wrong. Tate comes down the stairs and she asks him what he has done to her house and her belongings and he takes off his mask and says that he knows she has suffered a long time and that he is there to help her. Nora tells him that she needs a baby and that she wants her baby and he tells her that they were um she's he like tries to explain why he killed them he's like they were fighting and that they decided not to have a baby so he had to get rid of them so that a new family could move in and they can make a baby nora looks at him lovingly and caresses his face like a mother would to a child cut to ben walking down to the basement and he sees violet crouch crouched down as the red ball rolls towards her and she's asked do you want to play come out i won't hurt you he asks her who she's talking to and says no one, and he asks her to come upstairs so that they could have a discussion. Upstairs in his office, he tells her that he got a call from her school and that she has not been there in two weeks, and he wants to know what the fuck is going on. Violet says, I don't like it. It's boring, and they bully me. Ben wants to know what she means, and she mentions how it is so him to ask her to define bullying and that any other parent would pull their kid out of school. He asks if she has told Vivian about the bully, and Violet lets him know that it's ironic how he's a fancy shrink, but that he can't even notice when his own wine has gone, wife, not wine, has gone totally crazy. Ben wants to know what is wrong with Vivian, and Violet tells him that uh, she worries about everything, and when she isn't worrying, she's eating raw brains, and, and that it makes sense, and she has lost hers. Ben tells her how uh, it sounds uh, that Vivian is depressed and Violet is feeling alone and isolated. And Violet tells him that it's not about her and how her mom went crazy because of him that, and that he's a cheater. He's like, she's, she says, young girls, old ladies with feather dusters, and that she's surprised that he has not gone after her. 
Ben tells her that he, uh, she cannot talk to him and that he's still her father. And Violet tells him that she does not have anything else to say. And she's like, session over. And she walks out. Cut to Vivian crying in the kitchen and Moira walks in to serve her some tea. And she asks her if everything's all right. And Vivian tells her that it was her own fault and how she religiously read labels. But that last week her doctor gave her a prescription and that she uh, didn't read the label. And she just Googled it and that it can cause seizures and fevers and vision changes. And that her doctor didn't even tell her about the side effects. Vivian whispers to Moira that her mind is playing tricks on her and that she's literally seeing things. Moira comforts her and tells her that she need, she just needs a good cry. And Vivian tells her that everyone thinks she's crazy, that Ben does, and how she has been too embarrassed to call Luke, um, so the hot security guy. And Moira tells her that that is what men do, make you feel crazy. Moira tells her that since the beginning of time, men invented diseases to lock women away, like hysteria. And how hysteria comes from the weak, from the Greek word for uterus, and she tells Vivian how doctors used to masturbate women in their offices and that they called it medicine. Mora tells her that, of course, she thinks that she's going crazy since her husband cheated on her and left her pregnant with twins to, and to care for her truant daughter alone. Mora uh, asks uh, Vivian if she can speak freely and Vivian like lets her like tells her to proceed. And Mora says that the strange things that she is experiencing, that she's afraid it is not the drugs that she has never said it to any of her employers before, but that the house is possessed and how there are spirits inside the house and that she should get out before she can't. Cut to Vivian waking up Violet and she tells her that they're leaving tonight to her sister's house. And then we see uh, we see them with a bag walking towards the car and Tate is standing by the porch watching them. And Violet sees him and he has tears in his eyes, but Violet gets inside the car. Inside the car, Vivian tells her that they will no longer be prisoners to the house. And from behind the seat, the man and the woman from the home invasion uh, appear. And then they're like, the woman is like, ma'am, I'm hurt. Can I come in? And the man is like, oh, I recognize them. And her, Vivian and Violet get out of the car screaming and they run back inside the house. And then we see that Hayden is inside the house and she has a smile on her face. Uh, we then see Ben scolding Vivian for trying to take Violet and his unborn twins across state lines. Typical Ben Ben behavior, making it about himself. Vivian tells him that he's missing the point and how the people that tried to murder them during the home invasion were back. Ben tells her that the police said that there was no evidence that they were uh, that they were even there, and Vivian loses her shit and tells him that she knows what she saw and how they were six inches away from her. And Ben tells her that she never really fully dealt with the home invasion so that she has trauma from it. Vivian screams out that if he, he tries to diagnose her with PTSD, that she's going to bash his head in. And he agrees to change the subject and, and, she, and wants to know about the raw brain eating. He tells her that they're dangerous to eating raw meat and and she and ask her um, if she has heard about the mad cow disease. And Vivian tells him that if he does not believe her to go ask, go talk to Violet and that she was there too. Cut to Tate and Violet laying down and they're like in that post not nut bliss because uh, they just fucked. <laughs> so they aka they just fucked. And he asked if it hurts since uh, the first time usually does. And she tells him that it did not hurt, but that it was intense. She she's like, oh, you're really here. You're really here. And he says that he is and that he'll stay there with her for as long as she wants. And she asked about the other inhabitants of Murder House. 
She's like, what about the freaks that try to kill me and my mom? She wants to know if they're dead and how and uh, how Vivian is totally freaked out and how she called the police and that her dad rushed over and Tate lets her know that they're just trying to scare them and how that is all that they can do. Violet tells them that she wishes that she could just tell her mom, but Tate is like, no, you can't tell her because they'll think that you're crazy and they'll send you away. Ben calls out to Violet. So then we hear Ben like calling out to Violet to go downstairs and she yells that she's coming. And then it cuts to Vivian telling Ben that he can't force them to stay in California and that she's getting tickets to go to Florida. And Ben tells her that he will go to the courts if he has to. And he tells her that she is mentally unstable and how she's seeing things. Vivian hits back, oh, I, I'm seeing things like you were seeing your 10-year-old mistress? He tells her that she's being stupid and Vivian tells him that the only stupid thing is not changing the code to the house when she kicked him out and how he probably gave it to Hayden and that that is how she has been getting inside their house. Vivian continues, you never stopped seeing her. You went to Boston to see her and then one of your patients attacked us. Ben asks her what the hell she's saying and uh, ask if, oh, she's like, oh, Vivian asks if he planned this whole thing with his little whore. And if she's and if he planned to gaslight her to get rid of her so that Hayden can take her place. Ben tells her that she's talking like a crazy woman. And Vivian goes over and grabs the latex mask. And she asks him if he told Hayden about their kinky night and if he put the suit on for her. Ben is confused and he's like, I threw out that suit months ago. And Violet walks in and asks what is going on. Vivian asks Violet to tell Ben what happened last night, and Violet just says that she saw her mom really upset. Then Vivian urges um, her to say who she saw and what she told, and what she told the police, and that and Violet is like, I told them what I thought you wanted me to tell them. So Vivian is heartbroken by Violet's lies, and Violet just says that her mom was so upset, so she was upset. And Ben dismisses her, and he lets her go back upstairs, which she does. Ben tells Vivian that he's going to be staying at the house tonight and that he will be staying in his office. And Vivian is like, I don't need your protection. And he says that he is not there. He's not going to stay to protect her, but how his daughter also lives in the house. Cut to Tate in the basement and Hayden walks towards him and pokes fun at his sad, sorrowful demeanor. And she asks if he's writing poems for Violet and she calls her a nightingale bitch. Hayden tells him that he is like a girl just sulking down in the basement instead of actually doing something about what is bothering him. Tate tells her that he's tired of hurting people and Hayden lets him know that Vivian booked their flight tickets and that she heard him tell Ben and Tate knows what he has to do. Tate tells her that he does know but that he has to prepare himself because it's not fun. Hayden asks if he wants to fool around while he works his way up to it. She like begins to straddle him and she says, what is it about being dead that makes me so horny? But he pushes her off of him and he announces that he is in love. Tate begins to walk away and she yells after him. You better locate your balls before you go in there. That bitch is tough. Cut to Marcy asking Vivian what can be so urgent that she needed to leave her open house. And Vivian informs her that uh, she and Violet will be moving to Florida with her sister and Marcy asks why she couldn't tell her through the phone. Vivian tells Marcy to sit down and she asks where the uh, Armenian potential homebuyer is at and that they accepted his ridiculously low offer, but they have not received a check yet. 
Marcy informs Vivian that he he has not been returning any of her calls, and she asks Vivian if she told him about the ghost stories the second time he came to see the property. Then maybe he laughed, and Vivian just bit his head off. Vivian is obviously offended by this, and she tells her that she's not crazy, but that she is pregnant. And then she likes starts looking sick, and she's like, "Oh, I'm nauseous and dizzy." Marcy's concerned because Vivian, so because Vivian seems out of it, and Vivian asks her for a glass of water. So Marcy gets up, uh, as she tells her to please not have the baby right now. Vivian was faking being sick, and she get like she's looking through Marcy's uh, purse, and she finds her gun, and she hides it under the cushions of the couch. Couch, and then she pretends to be sick once Marcy comes back, and she tells her that she needs to lie down for a bit. And Marcy just tells her how she will, uh, she's like, oh, I'll show myself out. Cut to Vivian in her room, and she flashes a light under her bed, and she's acting all paranoid. She's checking the blinds and the restroom, and she does it over and over again until she finally lies down on the bed, and she turns off the lights. She closes her eyes, but the floorboard creaks, and then she sees the shadow of a man by the window. So she turns on the light, and then she gets up and checks the window, and we see that the man, we see the same man, so it's, you know, latex man or rubber man pass behind her and then he grabs her and she shouts and she accidentally turns the light off and then someone opens a door and she shoots him with Marcy's gun and it's Ben that gets shot. Cut to Ben in an ambulance and he's getting bandaged up and they tell him that he needs to go see a doctor but he tells them that he's fine and that it was just a through and through. The hot security guy, Lou, gets there and asks what happened and Ben tells uh, him that they're fine. Luke is like, oh, I want to speak with Mrs. Harmon. And Ben tells him that he can't since she took a, va a Valium to help her sleep since she was very upset. Luke is telling the officers that he's with a security company. And Ben just asks if he's like, oh, do you want an update? And that the update is that Vivian thought that there was someone in the house and how he went up to check and Vivian accidentally shot him. Violet is annoyed and she walks away and the policeman reassured Luke, Luke that, they, that they have shit under control. Luke asks if Ben told them that he's not, he's like, oh, did he tell you that he's not currently living here and that he and Vivian are separated? Ben is like, son of a bitch. And Luke also asks if Ben told them that he has a mistress with a criminal record. And Ben argues that he's a licensed psychiatrist and that he knows a psychotic break when he sees one and that Vivian is a danger to herself and to others. Luke says, you want to ship her off to the loony bin so that you get the house, the kid, the mistress, and the dog. Ooh, Mr. Hot Security Guy is being spicy. Ben tells him that he does not know who the fuck he is to Vivian, but how it is still his goddamn house and that he needs to get the hell out of there. We then see Vivian is asleep and she gets woken up by Hayden screaming at her to wake up. Vivian is groggy from the Valium, so she, when she reaches over for her panic button, Hayden yells if she's looking for her lifeline and then she shows her that she has the panic button and she throws it on the floor to destroy it vivian tells her that she she's like oh hayden me and ben are separated and you could have him all to yourself and hayden informs vivian that she does not want him and how he is pathetic and vivian agrees that he is pathetic and that he is an asshole and that he has hurt them both so badly so that she can just leave them alone hayden tells vivian that she can't leave it alone because she she has needs and that she wants what is in her room. And Vivian calls her sick. And Hayden responds that she's not sick. That she's dead. And that she has a surprise for her. She's like, the father of your babies is right there. 
Vivian turns to the side and sees the man in the latex suit and he attacks her, but Vivian fights back and she's trying to get away from him as Hayden tells her that he's trying to go for round two. After trying to fight him off, we see we hear Ben's voice tell her that it is just him and Vivian now sees him and um, Luke and they help her up and she asks if they caught the guy with the suit and she mentions that Hayden was also there and that she told her that she was dead and that she wants her babies. Vivian is asking them how how could they had not have seen them since they were just there. And then Violet walks in and tells um, tells Luke and Ben that they're ready for Vivian. So it so so two policemen walk in and Vivian asks what is going on and Ben tells her that he had to do it because she's unstable and that she needs to be evaluated. He says that he is sorry, but that he had to do it because he shot her. She says that she was not shooting him, but that she was shooting the rapist in the rubber suit. Violet has a look of confusion and then Luke tells Vivian that he is sorry and he just tells them to get out. She's like, get me out of this house. And Vivian just looks at Violet as she walks off with a dead stare. Violet tells Ben that it is all her fault and Vivian, as Vivian walks out of the house. But Ben tells her that it is not her fault and that she did the best that she could because she told the truth. Then uh, Ben walks out uh, after Vivian like to take her to the car and Tate appears from behind Violet and he sa says, it's okay, I'm here. Flashback to when Tate killed Chad and Patrick and Moira appears from behind him as he's in the basement looking at their bodies. And she tells him that he should not do it this way, that they are popular members of the community with friends and family and that the police are going to come looking for a killer. Tate tells her that he's open to suggestions and she says and she says that he needs to get over his compulsive need to please the ladies of the house and Mora gives him a gun and he tells um, he tells him that it belonged to them and he shoots Patrick three times and then uh, he goes over to Chad and um, shoots him in the chest so that it could be set up as a murder so he could set up the murder suicide story perfectly and Tate says how it's kind of romantic. Now that now they'll be together forever. All right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segment, starting with that character fucked up. Um, Chad, darling, sweetie, if you find out that your spouse is having an online relationship with a with someone, with someone. I feel like the healthier thing would be to talk about it, to confront it, like, head on. And I think Chad went on like this, like, oh, let me talk to my girlfriends first and see what they think. And then, oh, like, going off of what your friend told you to do, try to play into his fantasy. So then you go and go to the sex shop. It's, it's like, obvious that Chad is uncomfortable, right? And I think that the lesson that we can learn from this is that you don't have to do anything to make your partner feel better if you're not into it. And I feel like uh, something that the sex shop owner said, every relationship is a power play. It's true. But then it's is it really a healthy relationship? Like, are you really truly happy if you are with someone that is into something that you aren't? So you do that. You try to be into their thing so they could be happy, but then you're miserable. At what point is a relationship uh, like a partnership of equals, right? Like, 
I don't know. It. I feel like I've been chat in like relationships or like situationships that I've had where where I've done stuff that I've like, oh, I'm doing this because this would make my partner happy, you know? And it's not fulfilling at all. It is not. <laughs> Especially after we see the scene where Patrick is like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you look ridiculous. He, you, he said you look fat. He basically called Chad fat. He's like, you look like a fucking weenie, uh, like a sausage. But... Yeah, I don't know. If every relationship is a power play, I like whoever wins. Does anyone ever win? Is anyone ever happy? Is anyone ever fulfilled? Just some questions that I I feel like need to be asked. Um also Patrick, like and then from like the other point of view, Patrick, your partner is trying so hard, so hard to make you happy to like fall into this box of what he thinks you want and then you like not even reciprocating your partner's effort to please you like you like calling him names saying that depressing sex is even more depressing when you try so hard like like bro I know this couple is dead right <laughs> like I know but I'm just thinking about it because their relationship was already struggling when they were alive and it's like, why are y'all even together? I feel like it's easy for me to say that as someone who's never been in like a really like a long-term committed relationship, it's easy for me to say that when things start to go wrong, just leave, you know? And, and I know that's stupid. Like, I know it's it's not as simple as that. I know there's more like... It's not as simple as saying, just get the fuck out. Just be happy somewhere else. But when do you stop trying so hard to make something work that doesn't work? Bro, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking because I've seen it in, like, my personal life or in, like, the the relationships of friends, of people that I love. And I'm like, why are you trying so hard to make this work? it's not working it's not working and it never will be but I feel like the only person that doesn't know that won't ever work is the person in the relationship right it's the person that's in love and it's valid I feel like for me when um I feel like I, I've been in a relationship where I knew it wasn't working I knew this person that I like this person more than they did right but at the same time, you're kind of like, no, like it's all in my head, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to convince yourself because you want it to work so badly. And at the end of the day, you're the the person in the relationship is the one that has to realize that enough is enough and then they'll be able to move forward. But if everyone around you is realize is having this realization without you, like you're going to continue to self-sabotage or do shit that's not good for you. I feel like I'm going on in a rant, but yeah, character fucking up. Uh, Chad not communicating that he found out that his spouse was cheating, even though Patrick doesn't think that's cheating, just jacking off with a stranger on the internet. That's normal, right? I mean, no, because porn, you're not seeing like, well, I mean, they're a stranger, but you're not like jacking off at the same. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> Y'all get what I'm trying to say, right? Y'all get what I'm trying. It's not the same that like as watching porn because it's an actual human being who you're having feelings and they're having feelings for you and then you're jacking off at the same time. That that's cheating. Patrick, I'm so sorry. If you're not in an open relationship, that's cheating, sweetie. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you can end this relationship. Oh, wait, you're stuck together forever because you live in fucking murder house or you died in fucking murder house. But yeah, uh, what else? Ben, oh my God, Ben continues to make the that character fucked up list week after week. It's just like, um, who can I relate Ben to? Like any of the, the other shows? So... From Ben is Steven from The Haunting of Hill House. In Clickbait, Ben is... Who can Ben be in Clickbait? Who kept fucking up in Clickbait, dude? I don't know who Ben... Like, who would be the equivalent of Ben in uh, Clickbait? What about Mayor, Mayor of Easttown? Mayor, I'm just kidding. Mayor kept fucking up. <laughs> Ah, shit. What other shows have I done? In Squid Game, the protagonist came fucking up, but I mean, okay, never mind. I don't know why I'm going off on like a tangent, but yeah, Ben, Ben, why are you like this? And I feel like it's a, it's a common theme in like horror movies and horror shows that not believing your spouse when they tell you that a place is haunted or that they're seeing things you're like no you're just tired like you have ptsd like if i'm ever dating someone and i tell them that i had like a like a spooky encounter and they don't believe me um i'm gonna end that relationship right there and then (laughs) i'm sorry like I'm literally telling you what I experienced. I am of sound mind. I am of sound heart. I, yes, am I a little delusional? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I feel that if I tell you that I saw something and you don't believe me, like it doesn't matter if you're a skeptic or not. It's believing the person that you're supposed to trust the more and believe the most, like your spouse, the person that you chose to be with for the rest of your life, even though you did cheat on her, Ben. You cheated on her with Hayden. Uh, But, sir, no, please believe, please believe your partners when they say that they're going through shit. Because why would they even tell you if they didn't think it was real, you know, like, Sir, please, I'm begging you. Oh, my God, this next one. Violet. Violet. Are you really choosing your mans? Your dead mans? Your he is a fucking psychopath that shot up a school mans? Your mans that murdered uh, the two previous homeowners? You're really believing your mans? Or, like, you're really choosing your mans over your mom who is literally going through it because the ghosts in the house that you live in are trying to drive her insane. And instead of siding with your mom and telling your dad what exactly happened in the car, you're like, oh, my God, no. Like, I was just saying that because I thought that's what mom wanted me to say. Bitch, shut the fuck up. Or, or no, better yet, speak the truth. Speak up, bitch. <laughs> Like, literally, speak up. 
not shut the fuck up. Speak up. Say the truth. Because now your mom is being fucking committed to the loony bin. Uh, and it's your fault. And then she's like, oh, my God. Like, afterwards, she's like, oh, my God, Dad, this is all my fault. And Ben is like, no, it isn't because he told the truth. Yes, bitch, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. Why do you fall in love with a fucking psychopath like Ted? Look, look, Violet, Violet. Tate Langdon, a.k.a. Evan Peters, can get it. Like, he can get it. He can get this. I was going to say, period, point blank. He can get it. He can get it. He's a fine man. Fine. Uh, But you just met him. Like, I know teen love is, like, toxic or whatever. But still, please, I'm begging you. And, okay, I guess the whole fucking uh, Harmon family fucked up this episode. But Vivian... Do not steal your realtor's gun. Honey, do you even know how to use a gun? Like, yes, you're not in the right state of mind because the ghosts inside your house are literally tormenting you to pieces and they're driving you fucking insane. But I don't think that was a smart move. What are you going to do? Are you you're going to shoot a ghost? You're going to shoot a ghost. And I feel like people are going to argue like, no, she thought that the real Hayden was in the house. No. Vivian, please see the signs. Please, this family needs to stop being a fucking skeptic. Well, Ben and Vivian need to stop being fucking skeptics right now because their house is haunted and there are, like, signs. There are clear and obvious signs. There's evidence that your house is haunted. Haunted. There are dead people living in your house. Please stop trying to, like... Uh, what is it called? Like, try to bring science into it or try to say, like, that... I don't know. Stop trying to prove that there are no ghosts because there are ghosts. That's all I'm trying to say. And I was going to say that Ben committing Vivian uh, to, like, a psych hold was him fucking up. But at the end of the day, that gets Vivian out of the house and she's finally able to rest. So... I guess it's bad, like, for her record, because then she's going to have that in her record for the rest of her life. But at the same time, it's good because, she, look, sleep deprivation is going to drive you to some crazy shit. So I'm totally, like, I'm not saying that, you know, it's it's good that Vivian stole Marcy's gun, but... I don't blame her. Like, you're not getting any sleep. You're exhausted. You are scared. Your husband cheated on you with a woman half your age. That woman appeared in your house and tried to murder you. Then you were in a home invasion. Like, my girl Vivian has gone through a lot. And on top of that, she's pregnant. She is preggers. I feel for my girl Vivian. <laughs> so I feel that she's going to go on a little vacation to the psych ward, to the Grippy Sock uh, place, <laughs> the, the Grippy Sock Hotel, which she deserves. She deserves to go on a little vacation away from her, first of all, psychotic ass house and her psychotic ass family. She needs a little break. Um,. What else? So, 
yeah, let's move on to our Savage of the Week award. Look, the Savage of the Week award will go to a woman that deserves it. Put some respect on my girl Vivian uh, Harmon's name. She's a survivor. She was literally fighting for her life while two psychotic ghosts attacked her, both Tate and Hayden at the same time. So if anyone deserves a Savage of the Week award, it's Vivian. And, you know, what's the opposite of a Savage? The Coward of the Week award. Violet, you you deserve the Coward of the Week award. There, I said it, and I'm not going to take it back. And what about it? <laughs> All right, fuck the fam. We have gotten to the end of the episode, so you already know the deal. Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, or that show, F me up, F the spelled E-F-F-E-D. On Twitter, we're that, D-A-T, show, fuck me up, fuck the spelled without a U, so F-C-K-E-D. Give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or in Spotify. Uh, if you want more people to join the shared psychosis, to join the fucked up fandom, this is how the podcast gets visibility. Look, I don't, I, I love all my followers, all the listeners, but if we could get more people to join the fun club, <laughs> the we, if we could get more people to join the shared psychosis, wouldn't that be better? Like, please. Please, I'm begging you, please. (laughs) But uh, you already know the drill. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.